Hi, this is episode one and the season finale of our podcast series, Peppy Pals Perusing the Perilous Public Health Problems in Our Proud Nation. I'm Isabella, and today we're going to be discussing the topic, vaccinations in America. With me, we have Josh. How's it going, guys? I'm Josh. Omar. What up? It's your boy, Omar. Rachel. Yo, I'm Rachel. And Ethan. Yes, sir. Ethan here. And we are Team Vax. TV! This podcast is brought to you by Audacity, a free podcast software for all your podcast needs. Use use code UGATV for a 15% discount on this free software. Today we're discussing vaccination trends in America. Did you know that the percentage of children in America who aren't vaccinated has quadrupled since 2001? Quadrupled? That's impressive. I guess this can be tied to the two sides of vaccinating, the pro-vaccination side and the anti-vaccination side. The CDC says that flu vaccination should be administered every year to make sure that if affected by the flu, it's not spread to family members, co-workers, and other people in the community. These anti-vaxxers must be a fairly new group. Actually, the anti-vaxxers movement has been around since the creation of vaccines in 1763, with the public research findings of a doctor in England named Andrew Wakefield. In 1998, Dr. Wakefield connected autism to vaccines, and because of this, the anti-vax movement spread, which caused a Green R vaccines movement in the United States. Since 2003, there have been nine studies funded by the CDC trying to find any connections to an autism vaccination link, but they were unable to find any. The studies done by Wakefield were later retracted, and he admitted that his work was grossly distorted with a multitude of errors. Despite the retraction and all the studies done to find the link, anti-vaccination advocates still use this as a reason to not use vaccines. So, is that really the only reason why the anti-vaxxers refuse to use vaccines? Well, there are a multitude of reasons the anti-vax movement is so prevalent today. Because of things like the spread of misinformation, as well as a lack of education about vaccines, there are common misconceptions that give rise to the anti-vax movement. One misconception is the idea that the majority of people who have the disease have been vaccinated. Others include the notion that vaccinations can make individuals sick or have harmful side effects, or that giving a child multiple vaccinations for the same disease can overload the immune system and just mess up their whole health. These misconceptions are just some of the things that cause the anti-vax movement to be so prevalent today. But uh, in some cases, not vaccinating isn't always a choice. Uh, some people don't have access. Things like income inequality to access to healthcare services all play a part in an individual's ability, ability to receive vaccinations. So let's take a deeper dive into vaccines and the anti-vaccine movement. Why do people choose not to vaccinate? Well, like we mentioned before, it's mostly just misinformation. With the advent of social media and the age of the internet in the modern world, the ability for movements supporting various causes has increased exponentially. While this usually would be a good thing, in the case of the anti-vax movement, however, it's anything but. Social media sites rarely check the validity of information spread by organizations, which gives these organizations free reign to spread misinformation in order to elicit fear into many people. We already mentioned how a significant number of people believe in the link between autism and vaccinations. Which is false, by the way. Autism is actually a genetic disease caused by mutations in one of our 46 chromosomes. It has absolutely nothing to do with your child getting vaccinated. These mutations must often arise from mistakes in DNA replication, such as duplication or deletion of a sequence of nucleotides. Also, mistakes in cell division, such as chromosome disjunctions, which is when sister homologous chromosomes do not separate correctly, can cause these problems. 
But there are plenty of other reasons people don't vaccinate too. For example, due to the nature of how vaccines work, which is injecting a virus that was made to be innocuous into the body, people believe that vaccinating can actually cause the disease the vaccine is for. I mean, the truth is, viruses are either killed entirely before introduction to the body, meaning they are completely harmless, or, in the case of lifelong vaccinations, a severely neutered live virus is introduced. Now, a live virus might sound scary to a lot of people, but the truth is that uh, the virus that are, viruses that are injected into you are weakened enough only to replicate tens of times rather than thousands of times. So it's not enough to make you sick, but it's enough for your body to remember the disease for life. All vaccines do is allow our bodies to create antibodies that protect us from diseases when we come into contact with them for the second and third times. They help prime our immune systems in order to elicit a faster and more effective response to pathogens. Finally, some people say that vaccines are rife with poisons like mercury. Mercury is used as a preservative and is also used to prevent the growth of potentially dangerous microbes. In reality, however, the amount of mercury used in those vaccines is so insignificant that it poses very little risk at all. I mean, mercury isn't even used in its base form with its dangerous chemical properties, but rather as a component as a, of a compound known as thimerosal, which is a commonly used antiseptic and antifungal agent used to keep vaccines sterile, just like how sodium and chlorine are, uh, chlorine are toxic apart but harmless together as table salt. Mercury and thimerosal is safe for human use, especially in the tiny doses present in vaccines. You know what? Actually, hold up. Thimerosal hasn't even been used in vaccines since 1992, a whole 27 years ago. The whole vaccines are poison argument that's commonly used by the anti-vax crowd hasn't even been relevant this whole time. I mean, can you believe this shit? Uh, sorry guys, I might have been gotten a tad bit carried away there. <laughs> no, and what's worse is that in the media, stories that tie vaccinations to diseases or other health concerns are often sensationalized or they focus on information uh, that's about a rare isolated incident um, that is honestly intended to evoke fear in the minds of people that watch. But we can't forget that sometimes not vaccinating isn't a choice. Some people are physically unable to get vaccinated usually due to allergies, current pregnancy, or a compromised immune system. And also, sometimes people who want to get vaccinated can't because of financial reasons or they simply don't have access to it because of distance or other factors. Without insurance, flu vaccines can run you upwards of $60. In populated areas, vaccines can be administered at local pharmacies and health fairs, if those are even offered. In some places, vaccinations can only be obtained in hospitals or clinical settings. And another one of the biggest obstacles for those trying to raise, raise childhood vaccination rates is lack of vaccinations due to religion. In all but four states in the U.S., families can receive vaccination exemptions because of religious reasons. And another thing that we find is that in a lot of these cases, it can be very hard, if not impossible, to change the mind of a parent who is not vaccinating themselves or their children for religious reasons. The reason for this is because the reasoning not to vaccinate isn't the byproduct of ignorance or the spread of misinformation through social media, um, but it's due to a reflection of their core beliefs and their religion and a staunch conviction. Well, regardless of whether or not someone chooses not to vaccinate or whether they can't vaccinate for any given reason, the dangers of not vaccinating affect more than just that one person. To explain the specifics, here's Josh with our public health phrase of the day. Herd immunity. Exactly. 
Herd immunity is a concept that describes having the mass majority of a population vaccinated for certain diseases in order to prevent those diseases from spreading in mass numbers. So, how would you even do that? By having a larger number of the population vaccinated, it lessens the chances of outbreak and continues to spread disease. It's especially important for those who are able to get vaccinated to do so to make up for those who just can't. How many people would have to be vaccinated for herd immunity to work? In order for herd immunity to actually work well, 93 to 95% of the people in our community would need to be vaccinated. <laughs> wow, 95%? Yeah, 95%. And with the increase of anti-vax supporters, this is becoming harder to obtain year by year. For example, mumps outbreaks have increased outrageously within the last two decades. From 2000 to 2005, there was a steady prevalence of mumps cases of around 300 cases a year, but it has spiked dramatically in 2006. Wasn't it around 6,000 reported cases? Close. There was 6.5 thousand cases. Luckily, the following years, it went down a lot, but it has been increasing steadily since 2016, with that year having 6.3 thousand cases and 2017 having 6.1 thousand reported cases. And a lot of these cases came out of Texas and California. These states in particular have a trend of higher outbreaks of preventable diseases. Wait, Texas and California? Those are the two most populated states in the country. You're not wrong, so maintaining herd immunity could help prevent outbreaks like this. Because what is special about herd immunity is that it protects our society's most vulnerable populations. And who are the most vulnerable in our populations? Well, generally, it is the groups of people with relatively weaker immune systems. Groups like pregnant women or elderly or young children and infants uh, are going to be the people who are most susceptible to these diseases. Uh, but because of herd immunity, um, we possess the ability to protect these groups of people. Even though they are still susceptible to the disease, the odds that they come into contact with the pathogen is a significantly decreased when more and more people around them are immune. When movements like anti-vax breaks down herd immunity, Various groups become more susceptible to diseases. We interrupt this podcast to bring you a public service announcement. It's flu season. Make sure to get your flu shots. They are offered at many locations, and usually many places offer benefits for getting them. At Publix, you get a $10 gift card for getting a flu shot. They are also administered at CVS, Walgreens, Sam's Club, and Walmart. I know what you're thinking. I got my flu shot last year. But a flu shot should be administered every year in order to protect your health. So how do we change this growing narrative that vaccines are harmful? It's harder to accomplish this on a smaller scale, so go big or go home. It starts with health organizations such as the World Health Organization. Who? The World Health Organization. Oh, who? As I was saying, it starts with organizations such as WHO educating the public about vaccines and putting the rest to misconceptions. Organizations should focus on spending on outreach programs that inform people about vaccines and their importance. They also could do a better job of stopping the passage of misinformation. Yeah, WHO does a great job spreading valuable information. Um, but another aspect of this is that grassroots advocacy that reaches into communities is also a key component of raising vaccination rates. We need to locate the areas in the U.S. where individuals don't have access to vaccines, and this can be because of distance to a doctor's office, uh, the level of income that you receive, whatever it may be. So guys, what's the uh, next step? Well, once we get an idea of these regions that have significantly low vaccination rates, what we need to do is focus on spreading real information and communicating risk. 
This is going to help educate vulnerable populations of the importance of vaccines and the risk of vaccines, which is in turn going to raise our immunity levels. And by raising our immunity levels, we are also doing a better job of protecting those who aren't vaccinated. It's a circle and everyone benefits. The more complicated part of this, however, is that it takes everyone who is aware to help spread the truth. It can't just be World Health Organization employees or government employees. Uh, it has to be people like you and me. And it's not going to be an easy job. Stopping the spread of misinformation is a tall task. With the importance of free speech rising in today's society, it is becoming harder to put a lid on individuals spreading false info. Even social media giants like Facebook have announced that they will actively stop the spread of fake facts and fake news about anything. And Mark Zuckerberg and co. might have sided with the First Amendment and free speech, but they are also aiding anti-vaxxers spreading harmful information. Yeah, and the truth, as hard as, as hard as it may be to admit, it really is up to us to ensure that the real truth gets out there. I agree. With the prevalence of social media in today's society, there are so many sources of information, and it's not always easy to pick which one's the most credible. As stated earlier, there are a multitude of reasons someone may not have access to vaccinations. Working on increasing access is a major way to combat low vaccination levels, and government programs can help us do that. We can solve this problem by allowing schools to administer vaccines to children that attend the school. This will be extremely convenient for parents, as it would allow their children to be vaccinated without them having to take a full day off of work just to take their children to the doctor, which is huge for families with low incomes. Another idea which is similar to that is establishing free clinics that provide the essential vaccines that every children needs. Vaccines can be extremely expensive, like Rachel mentioned, and if a family doesn't have all the best health insurance, and in a lot of cases, these people don't have any health insurance at all, it can be really, really hard, and a free clinic would alleviate the problem of cost for families with low incomes. Vaccinations are a contentious topic in America. On one hand, there's the issue of public safety, and on the other hand, there's the questions of personal freedoms. While that might be an oversimplification, the anti-vax movement currently isn't a huge problem, but it is getting bigger every day. It's important that the right information for people is out there so that they can make educated decisions on whether or not to receive vaccines, and also to have their children receive vaccines or not. When researching health issues, whether it be for vaccines or any other health issue, be sure that the information is from an accurate place. Like we mentioned before, the Center for Disease Control and the World Health Organizations are great places to start for looking up information about any healthcare problem. I mean, honestly, that applies to all research, not just public health issues. Of course, today, we at TV are just focusing on vaccines. And vaccines are important to preventing preventable diseases. Seriously, it's simple and it's in the name. You don't want to be one of the, the one person that causes the reemergence of something terrible like polio or measles. <laughs> and you especially don't want to be the guy with polio or measles. Not vaccinating will not only put yourself at risk, but also your family and peers. You might think your immune system is tough enough to brave this disease-ridden world. However, like we said before, you're putting those with immune deficits in grave danger. Yeah, we really don't want to do that. We hope y'all learned lots about vaccines today. I know it's a lot to take in, but sharing this information is important for you to help for your health and for your future family's health. If you enjoyed our podcast, make sure you smash that like button and subscribe to our channel and join the conversation on Twitter with hashtag TeamVax. Seriously, we want to hear your thoughts about this. This is TeamVax signing off. TV!